There we go. I'm doing that on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> just, just blow down on the mic and you get that. Yeah. Well, I kind of like being able to do that. There you go. That better? Okay. Good morning. How are y'all? All y'all. That's the plural. Okay, we're going into prophecies, and here's the chart that I don't have to flip through. If you want to get it out of this one, Doug, for next week, you can. <laughs> and we're going to talk about his baptism, but there's very few about that. We're going to talk about his, the Holy Spirit, and we're going to talk about his identity. And I only talked about two of those, so you've got about another 23 to talk about next week. So that's where we're at. So look at the first one. Christ anointed, destined. Your throne, God, is forever and ever. The scepter of your kingdom is a scepter of justice. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has appointed you with the oil of joy above your companions. What does it mean to be anointed? Selected, Appointed. designated, chosen, chosen. Okay. So specifically, he, this person has been selected to do a specific job. What's the joy he was anointed with? It says joy above. What 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 joy is that? Too early? No caffeine? Yes. It says the oil of joy above your companions. That's probably that? where he's baptized and, and God says, this is my son who I'm well pleased with. And that was the baptism. Yeah. But he anointed him to do something. What did he anoint him to do? Bring salvation to mankind. That's the joy. The joy is to redeem all these people who were lost. So, in Luke, and all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. Now, how old is Christ, roughly, you think he is about here? Have you ever heard any conjecture? Because it's all conjecture. It never says how old he is. They're back from Egypt. They're now living in Galilee, back to where they originally started from before they went to Bethlehem, right? And they've traveled from Galilee down to Jerusalem to the temple, and they are going back, and they're missing somebody. Remember the story? Yeah, Jesus, yeah. Uh, how old do you think he is? Twelve. Twelve. Yeah, somewhere at twelve, thirteen years old. When Joseph and Mary saw him, they were bewildered. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated this way? So they have just got through and going looking for him, because he's not with the group. Behold, your father and I have been anxiously looking for you. And he said to them, 
Why is it that you were looking for me? Did you not know that I had to be in my father's house, affairs or business? That's another couple words for what's there. How do you know to interpret the scriptures? Huh? God taught him that way? Okay. He is scripture. Did Christ come to that knowledge through the Spirit? Or did Christ come to that knowledge because he knew who he was? He knew who he was. Did he remember the things when he was back part of the Holy Spirit and the Father? He remembered everything. This wasn't miraculous. This was who he was, which is a big difference. But what it's talking about is he was anointed. I'll be about my father's business. He was anointed to do his father's business. So here he's talking about the satisfaction of the prophecy is to say, I'm the anointed one. I'm the one who's designated to go do this work. What was that work that he was doing here? Yeah, he's bringing the truth. You had the people who were in the, in the temple, in the synagogues that were teaching, but they were just kind of reading the scriptures and everybody go, okay, we're done. And he was saying, no, this is what it means. He'll crack open the book of Isaiah and said, this, 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 this is what it means. In Psalms, same one. But regarding the Son, he says, Your throne of God is forever and ever, in the scepter of righteousness and the scepter of kingdom. You have, you have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you. So it's the exact same words that the Hebrew writer's writing that says that's who he was. He was the anointed one. He was the designated one to bring salvation to everybody. Everybody else is false. Everybody else is untrue. And oh, by the way, the Hebrews... You missed it. So the Holy Spirit, like I said, there weren't very many of those. Holy Spirit to fill Christ. The Spirit of God is upon me. Because the Lord anointed me to bring good news to the humble. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim release to the captives and freedom to prisoners. So how did the Spirit of the Lord come upon Christ? Remember? John Baptist. Excuse me? Came down like a dove. Like a dove. It was after what? His baptism, okay. So looking at what it was, and after he was baptized, Jesus came immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened up, and the Spirit of God descending as a dove and settling on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well, well pleased. So there's the tie-in between Isaiah, chapter 8, and the fulfillment of that prophecy. We're going to get to one that's going to be a little bit different this morning, though. So what did the Spirit of God enable Christ to do? About how old was he when this happened? 30. So what did it enable him to do? When he was teaching everybody. 
Start when he was teaching. How about this one? His mother said to the servants, whatever he tells you to do, do it. It's kind of like a mom. Now, there were six stone water pots standing there for the Jewish custom of purification, containing two of the three measures each. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. So they filled them up to the brim. You ever go in there when you're in a restaurant and they, the, the server refills your water and it's all the way up to the brim? Drives me a little crazy. And he said to them, draw out some out now and take it to the head waiter. And they took it to him. Now when the head waiter tasted the water, which had become wine, and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the head waiter said to the groom, and, and said to him, Every man serves the good wine first, and when the guests are drunk, then he serves the poorer wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This is the beginning of his signs, confirming miracles. Jesus did in Canaan and Galilee, and revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. So, it was kind of an interesting start to his first miracle that the Spirit enabled him to do was because his mother decided it needed to be done. Isn't it? Yeah. He had the capability of doing the miracles before then because his mother knew he could do something. But the time to make it public was upon his baptism. Because he taught, he was too young to be teaching what he was teaching at 12. And the question is, so he had it, but it was not the time for the world to see that he had it. But I don't think he had, until he had the Spirit, he couldn't show his authority. Because the Spirit showed his authority. Did he come here to do miracles? No. He came here to teach and to be the Lamb. That's why he came. Okay, Holy Spirit promised. This is a little bit different. Twist on it. How long, you naive ones, will you love simplistic thinking? And how long will scoffers delight themselves in scoffing, and fools hate knowledge? Turn to my rebuke. Behold, I will pour my Spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. So, who's the Holy Spirit promised to hear, and what are they like? What's the, what's the scriptural definition of a fool? There is no God. A person who believes there is no God. So, so who's being promised the Spirit here? I know this is a class on Christ, and I'll bend it back around to it. Who do you think? Us. Everyone. Everyone else is who it's promised to. In Isaiah, similar. This is what the Lord says. He who has made you and formed you from the womb, who will help you, do not fear, Jacob my servant, and Jeshurun, whom I have chosen. For I'll pour water on the thirsty land and the streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessings on your descendants. So who's it promising to here? 
It's a little narrower focus. The, uh, the indication is in verse 2. It refers to Jacob. So the Jews, just focused here on the Jews. The other one was very broad. This one is, is more focused in Isaiah on the Jews. In John, this is towards the end of John. But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I am leaving you. For if I do not leave, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he, when he comes, will convict the world regarding sin and righteousness and judgment. Regarding sin, because they do not believe in me. Regarding righteousness, because I am going to the Father and you are no longer going to see me. And regarding judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. So who's prophesizing here? Who's he prophesizing to? And is it the same as a prophecy that's in Isaiah and Proverbs we just looked at? Who's pro Let's take the easy one. Who's prophesizing here? Jesus. Okay. And it's prophecy because it hasn't happened yet, right? He's saying this is what's going to happen. Who's he talking to? The apostles, the disciples at this time, right? Is it the same prophecy as what's in Isaiah and Proverbs? You got a 50-50 chance of getting this one right. What do you think? What do you think, Mickey? <laughs> yep, it's the same prophecy. It's the same thing. Okay. What are the three things we know, we, we, titles, if you will, that we assign to Christ? He's a priest, right? Why is he a priest? Excuse me? He's not a Levite, he's a Judah. But, he offered the most perfect sacrifice ever that could have been offered. That's what priests do, isn't it? They offer sacrifices. What else was he? counselor, okay. He came to be a prophet. Prophet, priest, and king. He's those three things. You see the prophet here. Christ speaks as a prophet. Christ was the sacrifice, gave himself a sacrifice as a priest. And now he rules in his kingdom. He's a king. I have many more things to say to you. But you cannot bear them at the present time. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, for he will take from mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the, that the Father has are mine. This is why I said that he takes from mine and will disclose, disclose it to you. So it's Christ is taking it from the Father, Father, and then, and then he's passing it to the Spirit to make sure the Spirit tells us. Ask a question. So what, is this, what does the Spirit bring here? What's the promise that Christ has that the Spirit will bring here? 
10, 13. Had, go ahead. To guide you on the truth. The truth, yeah. What did, who guided Peter when he wrote his book? Who guided John? Who guided Luke? Who, did, who guided Paul with all of his books? The Spirit. And we got the truth. So who's Christ talking to here? Same, same people. Same, it's the same discussion. It's the disciples at this particular time. And he said to them, so it is written. This is in Luke. This is, so I just jumped into a different gospel. And he said to them, so it is written that the Christ should suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are, you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Who's speaking here? Jesus, yeah. Um, and who's he addressing? The disciples. Where is it in his time on earth? Yeah, it's, it's at, you can tell by Luke 24, it's at the end. That's kind of a, a giveaway. But, but Mickey's right. This is after he's risen. This is it before he died. This is after he's risen. What are they to do? Stay put. It's coming. What he just talked about in John, before his death, he's reinforcing here just before he ascends. Now, I like Luke because Luke is a tie-in to Acts. They, they transition nicely. Why do they transition so nicely? Same writer. Yeah, Luke wrote the book of Luke, although he never says it, but you can kind of go through and deduce it. And it never says who wrote Acts, but it's well established that Luke also wrote Acts. So you can kind of see the end of the Gospel of Luke and the beginning of Acts. They transition nicely. When the day of Pentecost had come... They were all together in one place. This would be the disciples. And suddenly a noise like a violent rushing wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And tongues that looked like fires appeared on them, disturbing themselves, and a tongue rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with different tongues as the Spirit was giving them the ability to speak out. So you see here that... The, what, what's talked about in Proverbs, what's talked about in Isaiah, what's talked about in John from Christ is being fulfilled. Here's the fulfillment of the prophecy, and part of that prophecy was done by Christ. He said, this is what's going to happen in the future. Who's the, who's the spirit brought to first? The, the disciples, right? On the day of Pentecost. Therefore, later on in chapter 2, therefore, let all the house of Israel know certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. So Peter's being very direct with the group. When they heard this, they were pierced the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what are we to do? Peter said to them, Repent each of you and be baptized in the name of the Holy Spirit for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see where this is the fulfillment of the rest of the prophecy? It was in Proverbs and also in Isaiah. And the fact that he said, 
you that are fools, you that have despised God, you're going to get the Spirit too. So Christ's identity, only had two of these, should be just about done, right? No. This one's a hard one. So I'm going to spend a little bit of time on this one. Listen to me, Jacob, Israel, whom I called. I am he, I am the first, I am the also the last. Assuredly, my hand founded the earth, and my right hand spread out the heavens. When I called to them, they stand together. This is that, another one out of Isaiah. Who's the first and the last? Jesus. 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 I'm glad I know everybody's name in here. <laughs> what is he first? He existed in, in infinity and eternity with the Father and the Spirit. And, but what is the first referring to? The beginning. The beginning of what? What we're in. What does he last? It says huh? he's the author and finisher of our faith. Huh? It says he's the author and finisher of our faith. Well, he is, but that's not the last it's talking about here. If the first is bringing everything in creation to being, what's the last? Down, the earth is destroyed. Yep, when he comes down, not the earth is destroyed. Creation is destroyed. Everything, everything physical, gone. And I'll back that up. Why? In John, so this is a this is my long discussion on this one here. The next day, he saw Jesus coming to him and said, "Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world." This is He in behalf of whom I said, "After me." is coming a man who has proved to be my superior, my superior because he existed before me. Who existed before John? In the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was the Word. The beginning was the Word. That's another scripture that I have a little bit later. Thank you. What was the relationship between John and Jesus? They were cousins, okay. Who was the older cousin? John. John, okay. But he said, he who existed before me. He's referring to saying, I know Christ has always existed. Before I was even formed, he existed. In the beginning was the Word. Thank you, Paul. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with the God. All things came into being through him. And apart from him, not even one thing came into being that has come into being. So what's this beginning of? And who was there? Creation. Beginning of creation. Who was there? Christ. All of God. Remember in Genesis where it talks about it and, and they said, we need to do this. The Father, 
The Son and the Spirit were all there at the beginning of creation. But immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. And they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of the sky with power and great, great glory. And he will send forth angels with a great trumpet blast. And they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of the sky to the other. So where is this happening in Jesus' ministry? The end of his earthly ministry. This is, this this is, is very, very near. This is in the Passion Week. Okay, this is in the last time he will be in Jerusalem, coming up to the Pass into the Passover. What does this situation? Where is he at? Where where have they just? He's with the disciples, and they're walking through Jerusalem. And what do the disciples do? So, Look at that temple! Wow, isn't it great? And he goes through and he, he explains what's going to happen in the temple, which we understand is 70 AD, which is when everything's destroyed by the Romans. But then he goes on to talk about this. Kind of changes what it is. What does this situation indicate? What's, what's he describing? What event? The, the end of time, as we know it. It's, it's the last, last, isn't it? You see in there it says, the Son of Man coming in the clouds of the sky. And who's describing it? Christ, right? He's talking to the disciples. And he blows their mind with this here. They don't understand what this is going to be. Why don't they, what's, what's their biggest barrier to them understanding what he's talking about? What's in their mind? What are they thinking? And we just came into Jerusalem. We had people putting palm leaves and their cloaks on the ground as you rode in on a colt, donkey, and hallelujah, hosanna, all this other stuff. What's in their brain? It's an earthly king. It's an earthly king. That's where they're stuck. And they don't understand what in the world he's talking about here. And after he had said these things, he lifted up, and this is an axe. So now I've transitioned out of before he's dead to after he's risen. I'm doing a little bit of jumping around, so I'll keep you oriented. And after he had said these things, he was lifted up while they were watching, and a cloud took him up out of their sight. And as they were gazing intently into the sky, while he was going, then behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them. And they said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up in the sky? This Jesus, who's been taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you watched him go into the heaven. So what events are being described here? Particularly what I've, what, what's happening that they're watching? Is the ascension to heaven? I'm sorry, just... He was what? He was going into heaven. What did you say? Somebody else. His ascension to heaven. It's ascension into heaven to his kingdom, right? 
But what are the two men clothed in white, which are most likely angels, what do they tell them? Send her back. So Jesus, who has taken up from you, in other words, what you're watching, will come in the same way of you watch them go into heaven. In other words, the man in the clouds. Right? Isn't that what it's saying? But they don't know when. Matter of fact, this is my personal opinion. I think the apostles initially had an idea that he's coming back, and it's, it's within months of when we opened the church up, opened up the kingdom. Turns out it's been over 2,000 years. He hasn't come back yet. How does that fit with what Jesus described when he was at the temple or near the temple during the Passion Week? And they're the same. Okay? Jesus told them that. That's the prophet. The prophet Jesus told them he's going to come back. The angels gave him the same message. I'm sure the disciples are still kind of scratching their head. Why would they still be scratching their head at this point? It's Acts chapter 1. When did they get, when did they get the Spirit? Acts chapter 2. Revelation. I like to teach this book sometimes. And Jesus, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and released us from our sins by his blood. And he made us into a kingdom, priests to his God and his Father. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him. Even those who pierced him, all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him. So it is to be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God. Who is and was and who is to come? The Almighty. So who's the Alpha and the Omega? Jesus. What does the Alpha and Omega signify? The beginning and the end. Okay, because Alpha is the first letter in the Greek alphabet. And Omega is the last letter in the Greek alphabet alphabet. So the first and the last, which is what was talked about in Isaiah when I started. When he comes in the clouds, is this associated with the Alpha or the Omega and why? Okay, is it Alpha or Omega? Omega. Why? says every eye will see him. If it was the Alpha, there wouldn't be any eyes yet. That's right. As the Omega, it comes to bring an end to the creation. That's the end. Like it was in Isaiah. Further in Revelation. Then I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and sitting on the cloud was one like a son of man, with a golden crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. And another angel came out of the temple, calling out with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud. Put in your sickle up and reap, for the, hour is for the hour to reap has come, because the harvest of the earth is ripe. Then he who sat on the cloud swung his sickle over the earth, and the earth was reaped. 
So who's sitting on the cloud? Jesus, okay. Is this still prophecy? Oh yeah, hadn't happened yet. It's got to be prophecy. What event is being described here? The end. The last event in the creation. The omega of the creation is being described here. Who's he reaping? Saved. The faithful. Christ reaps his constituents of his kingdom first. And going on to Peter. Peter makes it a little bit plainer. Revelation kind of can get into a discussion on it. But Peter, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And it's referred to that also back in Matthew. Is he'll come like a thief. In which the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be, will be discovered. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of the Lord, because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning, and the elements will melt away with intense heat. But according to his promise, we are looking for the new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. And it talks about the new heaven and the new earth in Revelation. But I'm not going to go back there again. So what's the day of the Lord? What's left? It's the last day. I'm sorry, what? The, the last day. It's, it's the, the last, last day. day, okay. It's the last prophecy to be fulfilled, isn't it? So when it talks about in Isaiah, I, he am the first and the last, we've got all kinds of prophecies satisfied that says he's the first. We have lots of prophecy that talks about him being the last. But when that prophecy is fulfilled, everything in the creation is going to be destroyed. We'll be taken up, but everything in creation will be destroyed. And what does he do after that? What does he do with the kingdom? Gives it to the Father. Right? Told you it was going to be interesting this morning. In Isaiah, this is the second one about his identity. Incline your ear and come listen to me. Listen that you may live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you according to the faithful mercies shown to David. Behold, I have made him a witness to the people a leader and commander for the peoples. Behold, you will call a nation you do not know, and a nation which does not know you will run you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. So Isaiah here is, <clears throat> excuse me, in 55, he's talking about that. He's talking about a witness. Who's the commander and in what way is he commander? Who's Isaiah referring to? Am I hurting your head this morning? David, or am I reading it wrong? Well, he talks about, um, my, he says, listen that you may live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you according to the faithful mercies shown to David. So it's not David. 
It's Christ. It's Christ. What's he the commander of? The peoples. How is he a commander? Prophet, priest, king. What does a king do? Rules, commands. What are the commandments that Christ said are the most important? Yep. As the commander, he gives us commands. As the king of the kingdom that is not of this world, he rules. In Hebrews, the Hebrew writer, which we have no idea who really it was, because it never identifies him or herself, but I'm assuming it was a, a man. But we do see him who was made for a little while lower than the angels, namely Jesus, because of his suffering death, crowned with glory and honor. So by, by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. Now what's this death for everyone? It was separation from God. Remember when he was on the cross, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was separated for the first time in existence from the Father. For it was fitting for him, for whom all are all things, and through whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory to perfect the originator. Archegos is the Greek word that's here that's right now interpreted as originator. It's also as leader, captain, and prince. Of their salvations through sufferings. For both he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are all from one Father. For this reason, he is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. So how is it that Christ came to be our commander? He suffered death and was risen, but he became our commander when we decided to follow him, didn't he? When we decided to become Christians, that's when he became our commander. And we didn't live for ourselves, we lived for him. And what he had said, and what he had said was from the Father. So we're with him and with the Father, but we're with the Father because of him and through him. But he's the commander of his kingdom, Right? Make sense? Well, that's my last one. I appreciate your attention. Doug will pick up with more on his identity next week. Whoops. I did pull this one out. It was about kingdom. Forgotten I'd stuck this one in here. This is when he's talking to Pilate. He's going through the different trials. And he says, my kingdom is not of this world. So... The reason I kind of stuck this in here, because some of that that's, that I talked about in Revelation and talked about in Matthew, where he's talking at the temple, people say he's going to come back out in, in the clouds and he's going to rule for a thousand years. Christ makes it plain in this particular verses. He says, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would be fighting so that I would not be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this realm. Never has been, never would be. Therefore, Pilate said to him, so... You are a king? Jesus answered, 
you say correctly that I am a king. And we just talked about what he was the king of, the king of his kingdom that is not of this world. It's of the spiritual world. When he comes the next time to fulfill the omega, to be the last, it's not coming to rule on this earth. It's to destroy it, as Peter said. To burn up the heavens, to burn up the earth. Everything created, all the stars, everything, gone. 